Welcome to the Diary of a Sales Expert podcast. My name's James White, and I'm on a mission to help business owners and sales professionals all over the world get incredible sales results. So thanks for listening, and let's get started. Okay, so welcome back to the podcast. This edition is all about how I've been working with an organization in the last 12 months to help them sell a £100,000 um, piece of software. And I want to go through the journey of what we did and how it happened and how that deal is now done with the my client being incredibly happy uh, that they have sold in their software to a large organization and it's a £100,000-plus deal. And the value of this for them is not just huge because of the revenue, but of the opportunities it's going to give them. So I thought it might be useful today in the podcast just to share that story on how I've done it. And by the way, I'm I'm not going to mention the name of the company. It's not fair. But if you do want to know who the name of the company is and you want to have a conversation with me because you sell software of a similar nature, want to know how we've helped, how I've helped and worked with this company to do it, I will happily tell you and I will happily put you in contact with the owner because he's very open to sharing how I've helped him and doing what he's doing is a great reference and testimonial. Uh, but I may, I'm saying that just because I don't want to mention his name right now. But if you think I'm not telling the truth, um, let me know and I'll put you in contact with him and you can talk to him yourself. So what is the, um, the moral of the story of what we did with this uh, individual company? So I want to start by going through a number of factors that were involved in this process to, to make this, to, this deal happen. And it starts from uh, a few... It starts for a number of different areas, but the core area ultimately is around understanding what it takes to sell that type of level of software and that type of level of investment. And by the way, the deal is actually going to be over three or four years. So it'll probably equate to, I'm guessing, probably three, four hundred thousand pounds over time. But the reality is when you're getting senior business people to commit to that level of investment, you have to be able to show a number of factors, a number of things. And you have to be able to tick a number of boxes and, and jump through a number of hoops and, and cross lots of T's and dot lots of I's to make these type of deals happen. And I'm going to share with you what we've had to do to, to, to make that come to life. So this podcast may be a little bit longer in, in some cases, but I'm going to share with you the process we went through, how we made it happen, some of the challenges that we, we had to overcome, some of the issues that we had to overcome, uh, notably with some of the key decision makers uh, at a later point in time but also a couple of little one word at the end. Just keep, stay tuned to the end for one thing that you should always do. And I always kept my customer uh, making sure they were doing throughout the process in order to, to, to keep their insanity and to make sure that they were doing things in the right way. So how did it happen? So let me talk to you about the company. The company runs a pretty great piece of software. It's unique in what we do. I was introduced to them through a piece, uh, another customer I'd done some work with previously or the, or the person left that organization to join this other company and then said, right, we want to get, um, James on board because we know James is great at what we do. So I got to know um, the CEO and uh, got to work with them over the period of time. And I've loved enjoying having conversations with them. And they are great at what they do. And that's my first point of um, being able to sell this type of software. Um, unfortunately, people say to me, James, can you help me sell stuff that you know isn't um, that great? And I'm like, okay, I could probably help you sell software that might be needing improving. But there's one very specific thing that I think these guys do, my client does, that you have to be able to do. And I encourage you to really reflect internally to see if you do this. And by the way, it doesn't have to be software. It can be a service. It can be a product. But software is the example of what we've got here. And that's that they have a very good product, okay, 
that solves a very specific problem for a very specific audience. So let me repeat that. They have a very good product that they sell, which solves a very specific problem for a very specific audience. So this client targets manufacturing organizations that have uh, very large sites and they have lots and lots of people that work within those sites that do important you know, key jobs. And they have a solution that basically re really reduces uh, inefficiency on those organizations that helps them improve the quality that helps basically stop the returns coming through from from these products that go out on site but then come back because they're not being designed and, and put in place in the right way. And they uh, they help them, them, them achieve that. And uh, but what they are very good at doing the software, and again, I'm not a, I'm, I'm, it's not my area of expertise. I'm not an expert in this particular industry, but I get software and I understand what it does. But when I was talking to them about the challenges that their audience faces, these are some significant challenges. So these challenges for organisations of this size can can absolutely cost them you know hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds. In other words, it can cost them even millions of pounds if they don't get these issues right because they've got so many people and such a lot of, you know, their size and scale of the organization is significant. So the first thing is that, that they um, solve this very specific problem for a very specific audience. And I, I always, you know, tell people, and there's a great phrase that I use, um, I'm not quite sure I heard about it but if, before, but I wish I'd created it, but it was a great phrase. And the phrase was, POs follow pain. So POs are purchase orders. So purchase orders, in other words, someone saying, yes, we're going to go ahead and buy your solution. They follow pain. And when you've got very senior people in businesses, they generally want to they want to grow or they want to get to and they want to get to, but they want to avoid pain. And when you've got pain of things costing you more than it should do or quality issues which are costing you a reputation or when you've got you know, potential problems that are potentially meaning your staff are unhappy and the team are unhappy, and it's just a whole host of issues, then people will look at ways in which they can invest to solve those. So POs follow pain. So my first point is that the company, if you're going to sell something of a six-figure you know, amount, you, you've got to have something that solves a very specific problem and ideally for a specific audience. My client is a absolute, has a niche, a very specific niche that, you know, I talk a lot about owning your niche. They have a very specific niche that they are, I believe, the world leaders of software in. And they know their niche really well. They understand their dynamic and their customer really well and they solve problems and understand how they can solve problems for that organization in a really effective way. So that's the first thing around it. And remember that point, POs follow pain. So where the pain is, the chance are you're going to get projects or investment to go and make that happen. And in my client's case, they certainly did. The, the second point, just a little bit around that, is the customer, if you're going to sell large, high-value services, certainly if you're going to sell something six figures per year, you've got to have someone that can afford that. You're not going to get a smaller business generally invest in those sort of figures. And invariably, invariably, you're going to get people that are companies. And I, I always use as a ratio. If you've got, you know, if you've got people with 300, 400 people in their company, if you times that um, by 80 to 100,000, you're going to get sort of 30 million. You're going to get big companies. And, and, and you need big companies to be able to afford big numbers. Generally, no one that's just a small company is going to spend that money unless they've brought it in. So make sure that if you're going to try and sell a high-value figure and you want to sell a six-figure number, I want you to, um, that you've, you're targeting the people that can afford this. And what you've got to be able to do is make sure that they can uh, understand your solution but also afford it. And more importantly, that they can see that it's going to commercially stack up. Because 
return, business cases are are important. They are in key to to getting people on side. But we also want to see other people that have taken the pain away. What people look for when they're buying something is show me someone else who had the same pain as me that you've meant that you've removed that for. And if you can show that, it's going to be a massive factor. So they solved this specific problem for a specific audience. But as in uh, another organization that I worked with a few years ago who sold a, a £40,000 product, and again, they solved a specific problem for a specific audience in a specific area, um, you've got to be able to get the customer to afford this. But what we did in both cases, and it's a model that I use a lot throughout the, the, the models I do in my seven-figure sales blueprint, is we go and try and create value initially. So what do we do? When, when you want to sell something like that to senior people, and by the way, if you're going to sell to that 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 type of organization, please, there are there are three levels of people in organizations. There are implementers, who are the people that are you know maybe doing the work and utilizing what you do. There are influencers, who are generally the people that are going to suggest and recommend, and there are decision makers. There are people that absolutely sign the checks that commit to doing things. And so in this case here, the, the, we'll talk about that, one of the final decision makers and the involvement that they had, but you've got to make sure you're selling into the right level of person. And if you're selling into an influence or a, an implementer, then be prepared that, that, that they are key in the process, but they're not going to maybe sometimes make that final decision. But what we did with this client, and this is what I've done with previous clients, is we, we, we exchanged value. We showed value. We talked about the issues that they were facing. We talked about the pain that they were facing in certain situations and gave them ideas and insights on how to share that. My client also has a podcast. They also share some resources, some really nice graphics. And they did some workshops where they were able to share with the, the audience and their specific audience how they can overcome some of these challenges without necessarily saying that they are the people to do that. When you share a solution, but also at the back end of that, say, oh, by the way, it's us that does this, buy from us. People sort of go, oh, great, you were giving me an answer to a problem, but really you just wanted to sell your stuff. When you actually say, hey, here's the answer to the problem, and by the way, here's my details, I'm here if you ever want, but no worries if you don't, it'll actually bring people closer to you. So what they were able to do is create this value, create this intrigue that made senior people really think, wow, these guys could help me solve some issues and some problems. So we created value initially, which is the first thing. And then the second thing is we started to engage. If you create a specific problem for a specific audience and you know from the work you've done and the customers you've got that that audience has this challenge, then you have two choices. You can either wait for them to come to you and hope that will happen in time, and it might happen through networks and communications and people linking you together or you proactively go out to that person or that type of role and say i know you've got this problem and i'm trying to reach out to you because i want to help you solve this problem i want to help you deal with this challenge because if it's not dealt with then it's going to create pain and problems for you later down the line so what we were able to do is we were able to go out and engage and have some conversations now as a result of the content and the materials that we shared the client that we actually did the deal with, it was a bit of a mix of the two. They'd come to us and we'd gone to them. But we were able to reach out to a senior person in the business who was actually, they have a different division, who was the managing director, so the senior person in that division. But as we found out later, they were the ultimate decision maker. And uh, we, we'll talk about that in, in a moment. But we were able to go in and create some value for that person and engage and talk about their issues, talk about their challenges, really get to know and understand what's going on in their world what the situation was, what the background was. 
And when you create that value initially, it makes people think, hey, I'm open to having a conversation with with James in that situation because he's helpful, he's useful, he's given me some insights I didn't know. And actually, I want to stay in contact with him because he can help me in the work I do. And by the way, most people in organizations have problems, have someone either maybe it's above them that wants them to solve the problems or someone below them that wants to solve the problems or they, even if they are the final point of contact, they want to solve the problem because they're frustrated at what the problem's doing for them. So again, POs follow pain. So we created that value initially. But what we also then did is went through a process with them. Now, when you're implementing any new type of software or system, one of the biggest factors that your buyers are going to be thinking is, well, yeah, it sounds all great, and it sounds great that it worked with someone else, but we're different, and we might we have a different system here, or we do different things here, our culture's different, or whatever. So one of the critical factors that you have to do, and we put in place this with the, the client that I'm working with, is we de-risked it. We de-risked the buying process. We said to them, look, what we're going to do is we're going to have some conversations, we, we gave them some value, and then we actually had some open conversations about their situation. So the, the, the owner, uh, sorry, the, the, the salesperson, sorry, who's the owner, had some great conversations. We asked questions. We got to know them and their situation what was driving that person, what's you know, carrying on. And that happened through some meetings. So I'm going to be honest with you. My other point around this is if you want to do very large deals all on the phone stroke on Zoom, I think it can happen, but it's unlikely. People want to see the whites of your eyes. They want to see you in a meeting room. They want to engage. And generally, the higher value of the deal the more you're going to need to go on site or go and visit that client to make that happen. So we had some different meetings and different discussions. And again, the model that I use with people, if you've listened to my podcast for a long time, you'll know that I focus on understanding the audience, getting to ask questions, giving them some value, giving them some insights on what, what you're seeing in the industry, making them curious. You make them want to think, blimey, that's interesting that they have got that happening. Okay, I didn't realize that. Where's that from? I didn't, you know, you want to give them insights, but actually show value, but then get to know them. Ask those questions. Talk to me about the things that happen in your organization. What's driving that? Who's doing what, where, how, how? What are those things happening? And we spent time and the team spent time getting to really underpick the person and the company on what was going on and what was driving them in their situation. And if you do that in an effective way, you're going to make the want the buyer go, hey, um, yeah, I'm telling you about these challenges. I'm keen to know about a solution for it. So the next stage, once we had those conversations, the buyer was like, what do we have? What happens next? Now, they were at that stage asking questions about the price. And if we were not careful, if they'd have gone and said, by the way, here's our price and do you want to buy it? We could have risked the problem. So what we did is made a really smart move by de-risking it for the buyer. And by doing that, we did put in something in place and it, and it happens a lot. And it did it in place with the large, the organization I sold before, which we put in place a pilot. So what we said to them is this. We believe we can solve, help you solve your problem, and here's how we do it. And in, in part of the conversations and meetings, we said, here's how we do it. We do this, this, and this, and this solves the problem. And we're so confident we can solve that for you. We will make it happen, but we want to put together a little pilot. And by the way, notice we didn't use the word trial. A trial is where there's going to be a verdict. A pilot gives the impression that actually this is just a start of something. It's a start of a something before we move forward. So we created this pilot where we said, we're going to come in and we charge for that pilot. We didn't make it free of charge. We made it a relatively low figure, a figure that the, the actual MD could do on their credit card. And we made them, this is something they could commit to. But we wanted them to have some skin in the game. We wanted them to put some money down. And by doing that pilot, what we were also able then to do is to set out, and this is really critical in this pilot process, some very clear success metrics. We were really clear about being able to say, 
Talk me through over the next six weeks, and the pilot actually lasted for two months. What needs to happen? What are you looking for? What do you need to see that the software can do that can make you then say, yes, this is a good piece of software. This is going to work. Because what it could also enable us to do is to then get to a point of actually seeing some decisions, seeing some information. So over that period of time, and again, your pilot, ideally on the larger deals, needs to be one to two to three months. Because if you do it just over a week, the chances are you're not going to get relative data to show that it's going to work. And buyers are always going to want to see that if they're going to invest something, that it's going to give them the return or it's going to make the difference that they want it to, to take that pain away. So we're able to show them that, the, that this could work and that the pilot was actually going to um, make that happen. And, and, and that was a critical part of the process. We de-risked it for them. Because what we also said to the buyer at that stage, to, to the customer at that stage is, hey, if at the end of this pilot process, we haven't proved these elements and we can't show these to them, hey, we don't expect you to work with us which meant that the buyer thought, great, I don't need to commit any more money. But we were also clever enough at doing is saying, but when, when, and notice the word when, we do show you these things because we believe we can make it happen, we want your commitment to want to then commit to the next stage. And they got that commitment and we put the pilot in place and it was able to get some really clear success measurements in place as a result of that. So you might think, was that a deal done? And the answer is, it was nearly. The buyer was really pleased with the pilot they absolutely thrilled with it. We then started to talk about the commercial conversations. But by that stage, because we were able to show them what the software was going to do to make commercial savings and do things differently, it was actually quite an easy reason. And, and I'm not going to go into the details of that business case, but I can tell you that the return that that buyer was getting or the savings that they would get from the problem being solved were massively outweighing the cost of the software, massively outweighing, you know, 10 to 15 times that way. And it was that good at what it was doing and how it could be implemented. And the other factor that the pilot was also able to do was to get the team on board. We had those implementers, those people involved in the project, and they project managed it properly and made sure it was implemented as a thorough sort of process, but it got people on board. We ended up having people in that factory that were like, I love this system. This system's great. How can we get it deployed fully? They were on board. They were knocking at the door of the manager saying, we want this. And all of these things combined to make things go to the direction we wanted it to. But the final point of this process and the final point of this, this deal is, is, is always back to a point I mentioned about the process of making decisions in organizations. And we'd engaged with someone who was the managing director. So we felt well, that's a really good person to engage with. And it was. But there's always another part sometimes in the process. And I always talk about authority, who's making decisions. And in this organization, there was a holding company, another company above that company that owned it called our parent company. And within that parent company, there were a couple of key individuals, notably one of which was the chief financial officer who had a number of other questions. And unfortunately, that lady, it could have cost us the deal, but we handled it in the right way, had a number of questions around how this was going to deliver the return, what was going to happen. And the reason it happened is because the figure was so large, it went above what they call the threshold of spending that certain people have. In other words, it got to a certain point where this lady had to be involved. And if you're not careful, and if they'd have, if my client had played that situation wrong, that person would have then said, no, not interested, doesn't matter what it is. And would have, no matter how much that person might have said it's going to help, they might have then said, well, I'm not going to do it because we can't afford it or whatever reason. So we created some resources and materials to make sure that we, we understood what the drivers and concerns were for the, for the chief financial officer. And by the way, I have a guide. If you want to know what the guide is, have a guide, download the, the, uh, a link to the, the resource around what CFOs look for when they're invested in things. And CFO stands for Chief Financial Officer. 
But we put this resource together to answer the questions of this lady to make sure that she could see that this wasn't just a piece of software that wasn't going to just be a, you know, a careless spend for them, but was absolutely going to make a difference. And the net result of it was, and there was a little bit of to and fro in on back and forth. And we had a few things to jump through, but over the course of a period of probably, I would say four to six weeks, the deal got done. And I think about two weeks ago now, my client came out to me and said that uh, the, everything's been signed off and they've been moving forward and um, rolling out the full implementation uh, in, in December and January this year. So that was a classic example of how we made a large deal happen. But there's one thing that I, want, I mentioned at the start that I want you to keep in mind with this, and it's something that's really important for your own sanity. And it's one thing I kept on telling my customer about that they always had to have. And that's when you're in sales and we want these deals, we, we, we have this hunger. It's as if like we're chasing and we're trying to climb a mountain. It's as if we're focused only on the mountain. And what I said to them that they had to have was, was one or two, if you like, cards in the drawer that they could use to, if you like, walk away. Because the problem with sometimes with big companies, especially if you're a smaller company, is that they'll try and push you or push you into a different direction. And what I said to, to my client was always have one or two trump cards up your sleeve that you, they could do to, 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 to basically get that deal done. And and be in a position where they are prepared to walk away. Because sometimes we think, well, bend over to do this and do this and do this. And before we know it, it's just literally become, you know, we're we're not sticking up for ourselves. We're we're devaluing ourselves. So we always have a couple of trump cards. And I won't say what they are because it's not fair to share them on public environments. But we always have that. And once or twice, twice we had to nearly use them. We had to nearly say, as a result of, you know, you not being able to do this, we now, you know, this is the situation. And it sent warning signals in that other organization. There were people back and forth saying, oh, no, this is happening. We don't want this to happen. So you've always got to have that trump card if you can. Try and work out what that is. Maybe it's something you can you can do that can you can you can turn off the, you know, in in in, in a situation or some insights or some knowledge you've got or some elements that you've identified through the process that you can then go back to them with. But the second point to that is about the trump card is also being prepared to walk away. Sales is not subservience. Never be such in such a position where you're bowing down and doing everything for someone. Because I always say, if you keep giving to people and you don't stand up for yourself, eventually they're going to you become a pushover. Sometimes they always say the best way to stand up to a bully is to stand up to them. And I'm not saying that the client was bullying them, but they did be in a position where they kept on wanting things. No, we have to be able to set limits and boundaries. And sometimes by saying no, you actually get respect from the buyer rather than not. So that was the, the story of how um, my client sold a, a large six piece of piece of software. And I hope you thought that's useful. Lots of you know, interesting elements around how they did what they did. Is it easy to do? No, of course it's not. Selling into any situation that large amounts is difficult. But what I was able to do work with them is work through the dynamics of the sale. And I guess my special skill, one of the skills I've got in business from working in sales for a long time, is knowing the dynamics of how people work and what happens and what things come together. And uh, as I say, my client was really proud of the fact that they, they did the deal and got it over the line. And um, yeah, I love the work that I do then. As I say, if you want to find out a bit more details who it is, let me know and I'll happily put you in contact with them and they can share what I've done to help them make that happen. But that's how we did it. That's how we sold a six-figure piece of software into a large organization. It's made a difference for them. They've now given them a platform to go and do other business. They've sort of got a model now to use and it's a model that I know works. Uh, and I'd love to help you do it if you want to, if you want to be able to learn how to do it. But uh, look, hopefully this is giving you some insights in what to make happen. And I hope you can get sales success by selling whatever you do at a large figure to an organization that's going to love you and think you're making a difference in their world. So um, if that can be the case, then, then that'd be amazing. 
But as I always say, when I finish podcasts, I always do an inspirational story. And uh, I always say uh, to those of you, if you hear an inspirational story, please let me know. Uh, my inspirational story this week is about a, a, a paramedic called Duncan Tripp, who um, Duncan was uh, in the Inverness search and rescue team, um, a, a part of a, a, a rescue operation in, in March 2022. And um, he heard a report that a man had fallen on a mountain. And it was a really, really complex mission where, you know, on, on the Britain's highest mountain peak he um w was literally in 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 a, in a position where he couldn't you know get, get access to these people and the helicopter couldn't land safely they were so high up and um, duncan this incredible paramedic uh, agreed to leave the aircraft loaded with all of this you know 30 kilograms of rescue gear so that he could climb up to the mountain um uh, in order to bring the people down safely and um uh, and unfortunately, he apparently he couldn't rescue one man. Unfortunately, one man died, but there were he rescued twenty four people, and twenty four people that day he was saved by his work and what he did. And I guess that inspiration of, um, you know, the, the, he, you know, if you think about someone like Duncan and what he's done to save that many lives, the impact he's had. That's to me an incredibly inspirational story that I love to hear, and hopefully it's a story that you can get inspiration from and can make you think that anything's possible. We can achieve whatever we want to. It's in your hands. Go and make it happen. See you next week. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you've enjoyed. If you have, please subscribe to the podcast. It helps us ensure more people can get the insights and ideas they need to get incredible sales results. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode.